Good morning, everyone. The title of our message is Unity Through Iniquity. We hear a lot in our world today about unity. We all hear about how we should set aside our differences and stop clinging to our religion, as one former president said. We should just unite for the sake of unity. We see that this is becoming a common theme throughout not just politics, but throughout the circles of Christendom and religiousness. And I say religiousness with quotation marks because that is what it is. It's religion and it's not truth. It's just tradition. Our flagship text for today will be in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And a little background to our text. Paul is writing to the church at Corinth concerning false teachers. He gets into showing why these teachers are indeed false. And he doesn't want to tell a list of all of his trials, but he does so to prove to the Corinthians that he is indeed a true apostle and that these other apostles are presenting a false gospel. He called them ministers of Satan. So let us read. 2 Corinthians 11. I say again, let no man think me a fool, if otherwise yet as a fool receive me, that I may boast myself a little. See, some of the Corinthians had a more favorable view of these false teachers, and because of this, Paul decides to say, Corinthians, here's what happened to me. Let me boast, quote-unquote, speaking sarcastically, if you will, but he's going to do so to preface his trials and tribulations as an apostle. He is not doing so to glorify himself, but he sees that this situation in Corinth is so dire that he must show them what it is to be an apostle. He must differentiate himself from these other apostles that are false, that are boasting in themselves. And he says these other apostles that, that you think are apostles, these are ministers of Satan. If you read the verses before this, he says they're apostles of Satan. So read before my, the text I'm reading and read after for context. We continue. That which I speak, I speak it not after the Lord, but as it were foolishly in this confidence of boasting. So Paul here is getting ready to tell them what he's been through. His boasting, if you will. But he sees that the situation here in Corinth is so bad that he wants to let them know that these false apostles who are boasting after their own lust, after their own selves, are presenting a false gospel to them. And he's going to say, no, 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 this is what an apostle is. This is what I've gone through. Not, I'm not boasting in myself, but I'm just letting you know. This is a little FYI. He says, seeing that many glory after the flesh, I will glory also. For ye suffer fools gladly, seeing ye yourself are wise. Now, this is where the sarcasm starts to get in. For ye suffer if a man bring you into bondage, if a man devour you, if a man take of you, if a man exalt himself, if a man smite you on the face. I speak as concerning reproach, as though we had been weak, howbeit whereinsoever any is bold, I speak foolishly. I am bold also. In these three passages, we see Paul uses some sarcasm. And some is probably an understatement. Paul's using a lot of sarcasm because he takes this whole situation at Corinth seriously. The people's souls at Corinth are at stake because this false gospel, this false teaching, these false apostles that they've received. Paul said in verse 19, let's go back and look at that. For ye suffer fools gladly, seeing ye yourselves are wise. Basically, he said this, you guys have no problem receiving and listening to me. I, you know, I'm a fool. You shouldn't have any problem doing that. And you guys are so wise and so smart and articulate. Why don't you just entertain a fool like me for a second and, and hear me out? That was a little of the sarcasm he was using. And this wasn't because he was upset over an issue of ego, but it was upsetting to Paul that the Corinthians were deceived into this. They were deceived by these false 
apostles and false teachers. And we reread verse 20 again. For ye suffer if a man bring you into bondage, if a man devour you, if a man take of you, if a man exalt himself, if a man smite you on the face. Here Paul is describing the false teachers' attempts, and it would seem they're very successful attempts, to steal the freedom that Christ has brought the Corinthians to, in a way, re-enslave them back, as we saw, as if you go read in Galatians, the Galatians were described as being bewitched again in accordance with the law. Paul said to them, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? You guys want to go back to the law? And we see here in the Corinthians, they're having a similar problem with false apostles. False apostles are, in a way, bewitching them. Paul continues, are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. And labors more abundant in stripes above measure. And prison more frequent in deaths off. He says, are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. Now he's already come out and said they were not ministers of Christ. They were ministers of Satan. But here he's kind of just going down the list and bringing it to their attention. I'm all these things they claim to be, but I am authentic. And they are false. They're taking advantage of you. Now, Paul's about to get into his trials and tribulations. Here we will see that for Paul, there was unity through iniquity, and it was not on Paul's part. It was the world unifying through iniquity to bring persecution to Paul. He says, thrice I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have been in the deep. Paul is getting into detail here. He said, hey, I was beaten with rods three times. And from what we know, that was of the Romans to use rods. Then he said, I was stoned. And he continues to say, I was in shipwrecks and being in the deep night and day. We're going to continue and we will see that it doesn't just stop there. The world doesn't slow down to give Paul a rest. He says in verse 26, in journeyings often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils by my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils amongst false brethren. Let's just take a look at this pertaining people in verse 26. Paul listed persecution by robbers, his own fellow countrymen, the paganistic heathens, perils from dangers in the cities to the wilderness to the sea. And then he says this, perils amongst false brethren, amongst false followers of Christ who sought to persecute him and possibly kill him. And then we're going to continue. We're going to go down here. Verse 27, and weariness and painfulness and watchings often and hunger and thirst and fastings often and cold and nakedness besides those things that are without that which cometh upon me daily that care of all the churches who is weak and I am not weak who is offended and I burn not if I must needs glory I will glory of the things which concern my infirmities the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ which is blessed forevermore knoweth that I lie not. In Damascus, the governor under Aratus, the king kept the city of the Damascenus with a garrison desirous to apprehend me. So even here, the secular government had an issue with Paul. The governor in Damascus sought to have Paul arrested or apprehended. And then he continues, and through a window in a basket was I let down by the wall and escaped his hands. And that is where our text ends. What we are seeing today is the same thing Paul went through. We are seeing the beginning stages of it. We are seeing unity through iniquity. Everyone from the Jews to the pagans to the robbers to the secular government to the false followers of Christ 
had it out for Paul. They wanted him gone. Why? Was it because of Paul and who he was as a person? No. It was because of the one who bore witness inside Paul. They hated Paul, but they hated Christ more. And the message of the gospel of Christ is a sharp sword. It offends. It cuts. And we see how all of these different types of people, from Jew to pagan to false Christians to secular governmental authorities, all united under the banner of iniquity, the banner of sin, to stop Paul. That is what is happening today. People from all walks of life, Republican, Democrat, black, white, brown, yellow, religious, non-religious, even those who are in the very leadership of many churches, will all unite when you begin to preach the truth of Christ. And the truth of Christ contains this fact, that you are a sinner on your way to hell without Christ. The truth of Christ is that your sins are evil. They are an offense to God. They disgust God. And that brings unity amongst a diverse spread of people who have no reason to unite except under the banner that they hate the true Christ and his true gospel. Isaiah, I just don't see that. Give me an example. Well, a common example of this would be this. Why don't you bring to light what God's word says on homosexuality? Folks, you will unite a large, diverse group of people against you. You want to unite a large group of people against you that are different in their walks of life? Preach what the word says on sin and homosexuality. The world will lock arms and they will come after you. They will call you hateful. They will call you a bigot. And if you're in the wrong place, you may be physically harmed. Preach against multiple paths to heaven these days. Or preach against this ecumenical call to drop doctrine and unite. And you're labeled a hateful disruptor to society. You become a pariah, an outcast. Because the world finds unity in their iniquity. Listen to me. The world will kill itself and fight itself until they all lie dead. But you preaching the gospel of Christ, they will drop all arguments and make you their target. We know that the word of God is offensive to the natural man. Jesus said in Matthew 10.34, Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. Our Lord said himself, He didn't come to bring peace on earth, but instead that his coming would be bringing a sword. It would bring divisiveness. It would turn over the apple carts of the world. Let me tell you, that is exactly what we needed. Salvation could not have been possible if Christ conformed to the world. As God, it wasn't even in his nature to do so. He couldn't. He came to save us from our sins. And that's what we get so defensive about. You bring up homosexuality or multiple paths to heaven or abortion. He came to save us from all of those wicked thoughts. He came to save us from our sins and not to allow us to continue to live in them. Freedom from sin is what Christ brought. Freedom from the bondage of sin. That one day we might be with him eternally free from sin. The world, on the other hand, loves their sin. I had some people tell me, my God would never send some of the greatest people on earth to hell. Referring to the homosexual community. And this was from a quote-unquote Christian. My friends, there are no great people. Romans 3 tells us that. We are all unrighteous, filthy, depraved men. We're all filthy sinners. Secondly, God can and will send those of whom he chooses to hell. Romans 9 says God has mercy on those of his choice and he hardens the heart of those of his choice. Romans 1 tells us God gives men over to their own sinful desires to a reprobate mind. What I want us to understand is that the world, modern day Christendom, atheists, Muslims, Jews, Hindus, they will all unite against the truth of God's word. And if you are preaching it, they will come for you. Christ said in John 15, if ye were of the world, the world would love his own. But because ye are not of the world, 
But I have chosen you out of the world. Therefore the world hateth you. Remember the word that I said unto you, The servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. But all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. If I had not come and spoken unto them, they had not had sin, but now they had no cloak for their sin, so now they have no excuse for their sin. Because Christ came and bore witness. He that hateth me hateth my father also. If I had not done among them the works which none other man did, they had not had sin. But now have they both seen and hated both me and my father. Christ is not saying they weren't guilty of sin before this. Christ is saying, I have come and I have exposed it to them. They hated me, they will hate you. If you're of the world, they'll love you. They'll receive you. You'll be part of their group, the clique. But if you're not part of the world, they're going to hate you. We are not promised a great ride on this earth, as many false teachers claim. We are not promised a new BMW or millions of dollars or instant healing whenever we have a sniffle. Christ says that if they hated me, they will hate you. And they did hate him. And if they persecuted me, they will persecute you. And they did persecute him. And those who claim to know Jesus and hate his teachings, and they, t- they hate and they can't stomach his view on sin, they hate Christ. Don't let them deceive you. They don't love Christ. And therefore, they hate the Father. They hate God the Father. So we ask the Lord to give us strength in this time of persecution. It's not as bad as it will get. But no, according to the scriptures, it will get worse. Your life will be required of you at one point. They will kill you for preaching the gospel. Many places across the world, outside of this sheltered United States, they are dying for preaching the gospel. And it will come here. It will come here. You can take that to the bank. We're seeing the early stages of persecution. We are seeing the early stages of unity through iniquity. We ask the Lord to bless the reading of his word today. Thank you and God bless you.